7 o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Pyle. Good morning. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. Happy belated birthday, by the way, Buckeye. Thank you. Of course, coming at you from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Georgia with an absolute thrashing, wood shedding, boat racing, curb stomping victory over TCU last night. Stetson Bennett, probably the best game of his career. Four touchdown passes, a couple of touchdown runs. Had two of each in the first half. And at halftime, I mean, <laughs> it was over. I mean, let's let's be honest. There were yeah, TCU. It was over well before that. Yeah, but halftime, it was clearly. Clearly over. Because we usually use that as the yeah, point oh, yeah. decor. Demarcation as far as a, a blowout, and it was over when the last year turned into this year. It feels yeah. Like. <laughs> I I just thought TCU would would hang around in that game. I thought their physicality would match Georgia. I thought their speed would possess some opportunities. They really I, the Georgia defense hadn't faced a dual threat guy as good as Max Duggan had been this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrong on all accounts. <laughs> Duggan constantly was off his spot, happy feet. Georgia kept putting the pressure on him. And Stenson Bennett, I mean, he he was the guy that played like the dual threat guy last night, right? Yeah. With a couple of rushing touchdowns. And there, TCU couldn't get off the field. I mean... Georgia in that first half cashed in on every possession mm-hmm. and that was all she wrote. I think safe to say now Georgia is your king of college football programs at this point in time. Yeah. Obviously back to back first ever back to back college football playoff. We have to clarify mm-hmm. college football playoff national champion. Yep. About a decade ago Alabama went went back to back but and BCS the, style. Yes, but as far as the playoffs go, Georgia holds that distinction. Mm-hmm. Kirby Smart now literally the smartest guy in the room? Looks like it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it looks that way. How tough was it for Saban last night? To watch that and go, crap. Crap. <laughs> the, we're not the best program in college football anymore. It's Georgia. I had to be a little tough for uh, the dictator last night. I thought, I, you know, I like Saban as a commentator. Mm-hmm. He's not real funny or anything like that. He's got kind of a dry sense of humor. Yeah. But I think he's actually pretty good when he does it. I mean, he knows, obviously he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. When, he, when he speaks of, particularly on the defensive side of the football, you go, yeah, that's a guy that knows what he's talking about. So it was, um, I said that it was really probably opening kickoff. It was all over last night at SoFi. But uh, Georgia gets a very impressive win last night over TCU. Also, um, we're going to do this for pole dancing, too. I'm just letting you know this. On oh, the air, okay. Uh, Perfect. On air me. We're going to have, of course, our, our top five playoff teams heading into Super Wildcard Weekend. Mm-hmm. Which, every game's a rematch. I know it's great, yeah. It's good. And so, 
ranking three division games. It's going to be great. Ranking the Broncos coaching candidates, the ones we know they're going to talk to at this point in time. The list keeps getting longer and longer. So we'll do that coming up. That's That'll kind be... of a one and everybody else, isn't it? Yeah, I don't see. I don't know. I don't. I don't know about that because after talking with Benjamin Albright yesterday, great conversation with uh, Broncos Country eight fifty KOA insider Justin Albright or Benjamin Albright, excuse me, Justin Benjamin Albright, that he thinks Dan Quinn has a real good chance of getting this job, and that it's not as. I know there are some people that are giddy about Sean Payton, and the feeling seems to be. He's using this as leverage. See, well, the Broncos are interested in me. Mm-hmm. What do, what do you get? What are you gonna pony up? And the Broncos are gonna talk to him. According to what I've read, they've agreed on the terms of the trade, of yeah. what of what the Saints want, and the Broncos going, okay. We'll we'll see if we can we want to pay that price. And the thing about it is though. One of the things that Albright brought up yesterday I thought was really important, Vic Fangio is going to be his Peyton's DC. Yeah, that'll I mean, be fun. I mean, he's already putting his staff together. Yeah. And that and that Ryan Pace will, would be the basically the GM. Mm-hmm. That means George Peyton's going to be gone if it's Sean Peyton. Yeah. Because he's going to have his guy right. in there. Too many Peytons. And Ryan Pace did such a great job in Chicago. That's why he's no longer there. And and the feeling is, is that this is purely a leveraging opportunity for Sean Payton. I mean, built a home, Manhattan Beach, out in California. You know he's got his eye on what McVay's doing with the Rams. Mm-hmm. You know that's probably where he wants to be. And so if you're thinking, oh, it's going to be Sean Payton, it's going to be Sean Payton. Uh, it may not be Sean Payton. Well, the Broncos also need to hedge a little bit too, right? Not just Sean Payton hedging, but... If you know what it's going to take to get Sean Payton and you're willing to part with that. So the house at the back of the neighborhood is for sale. And you know you can play at that level, right? You know you can buy that house. Oh, sure. You know you're qualified for that. Why not call on the rest of the houses in the neighborhood? Get some comps. Right? See if. You know you're willing to part with whatever you need to part with to get Sean Payton. See if there's somebody out there that feels like they're at the end of the rope with their head coach. Did you take this from Florio? don't really want to fire him. Yes, I did. Okay. I stole this from Mike Florio. Because <laughs> it's, so. it's a good point. Call, call the Patriots. Yeah. But, not, but, not just the, call everybody. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing Belichick yeah. out. Whoever. Hey, what do you think about... You're going to get some no's. Mike Tomlin, who right? I, you know, whoever, yeah. But you're going to get some people to listen. And go, well, that, wow, that'd be interesting. You know what I mean? Like, Tampa might listen, you know? If Tom's trying to figure out a way to get B.A. back in the head coaching role, but you don't necessarily want to fire uh, Todd Bowles. Right? right. You know, maybe call Tampa. See what it would take. If you're interested in him, I'm not saying you are, right? Yeah, yeah. Call Seattle. That would be hilarious. Say, that would make hey, my that would make my summer <laughs> awesome. I know it wouldn't. That, yeah, that phone call I don't think is going to happen. Know, but just telling you, I don't think it'll happen. But I know I, I would call I would, the Rams. I would I would target. I would you know guys that I feel like mm-hmm. McVeigh would make sense. 
I would target some guys. Belichick, while intriguing, nah, it's yeah. there. There becomes, I think, an age factor there, and and some of those things where I, I don't want to be ageist. But I what the Bel- dude is like a hundred years old. But Belichick coming in, that would be. I don't. I don't know if that's. <laughs> but you know what? Call him. Call mm-hmm. Bob Kraft. Say hey. Would you mind if we talked to Bill? But also look what Bill's doing without Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, exactly. That's not necessarily much. They're picking a little worse than the Broncos in the later rounds, but not that much worse. No, they were they were on the cusp of being a playoff team this year and didn't get in. Mm-hmm. But I, but yeah, I, and yeah, I stole that from Florio because I'm not smart enough to come up with that. You know. Metaphor on my I'll own. Say, but, I'll say, dang, that's that's pretty good because I saw I read that from Mike Florio yesterday. Yeah, no, I I straight up took that from him. So, but we don't have him on the air anymore, so I didn't think anybody so, would know until oh, I got so, outed. I'm sorry, okay. I didn't mean to out no, you. You're fine. I'm I was sorry. It, I admitted it though. I was like, no, no, I came up with that. No, I did steal no. that from Florio. I would have so. went okay, I, even though I wouldn't back in my mind. I think he probably read that in pro yeah. football time. No, but you would have been like, no, he definitely stole that from <laughs> Florio, but I'll back him. But no, I did. I took it from him. Okay, because it's a good point. Why not make 31 phone calls, or 32, I guess, since Sean Payton's not currently the head coach of anybody. Yeah, so I, I mean, that's only one phone call. You could call about Dennis Allen, too. Nobody wants him, not even the, the well, Saints. He, but, he's been, been in Denver before, not as a head coach. but You know, so, yeah, why not call everybody else? Yeah, I, I think you make, make, make some phone calls. I, I don't know if you want to call everybody, but I, I think that... You don't know what you're going to... Get right, but I mean, you if you got people, if you got an intern, maybe, maybe uh, intern Peyton Manning could. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jarius, this is Peyton. Yeah. What about Mike McCarthy? What What do you What mm-hmm. do you think? Would Would you guys be interested in Yeah, getting rid of Mike. Hey, what would that take? Call a different Sean Mick. See if he's tired of shoveling that much damn snow in Buffalo. You know, sure. Just call him. McDermott would. Yeah. Great, great news, by the way, for De- on Demar Hamlin being back in Buffalo. Absolutely, uh, sensational news uh, in regard to Demar Hamlin, and what an incredible Buffalo game on, on Sunday with the opening, opening kickoff. kickoff return for a touch. It's fantastic, nuts. It was incredible uh, on Sunday, honoring Demar Hamlin, and I thought the Broncos really nice tribute with Derwin James mm-hmm. and Russ kneeling. Yeah, you know. By by the number three I, before the game, I thought that was a, a cool moment. That's what Russ is built for. Stuff like that. Yeah, right. That's and look, something he's perfect for. And and we talked about this a little bit yesterday. That what if they went to Jerry Rossberg sooner? Well, they've got some things cleaned up. I'm not saying they would have been a playoff team because then they, but they certainly looked more like we expected them to look Mm -hmm. the last two games of the season. Yeah, and it's just... They look competent. They cut down on penalties. Mm -hmm. Offense was effective based around the run game. Russ made plays with his legs against Kansas City, made deep shots, which is that's what he's built. That's what they're built to do. That's why they brought him in. Run the ball, play action, throw the ball down the field. You know who they looked like? Get guys out of the box. The Seahawks. Yeah. Sorry, Russ, but yeah. they look like Seattle in Russ's prime. And firing Nathaniel Hackett in the season makes it absolutely look like, well, damn, why didn't we do this a month ago? 
or six weeks also, ago. Also, they, they tried to get it. They wanted, I agree with you, they wanted Aaron Rodgers. This yeah. offense was built to be an Aaron Rodgers offense. Like, why didn't they do this coming back from London, even though they won that game with the bye week? Why didn't they do this then? Because if you're going to fire him in the season, every week you waited past the date of everybody knowing this was not going to work out, which was Labor Day, then you look like kind of an idiot. You know what I mean? It's like, right. You, then just have him coach the last two weeks. What are you doing here? How about now? now you, what you're doing if you're George Payton and Greg Penner is you're causing the fan base to turn around to the boxes and be like, why didn't you do this earlier? Look at this product now, the last nine days of the oh, season, yeah. as opposed to the first 15 weeks. It's like you could have done this. Seven weeks ago. But I, I will defend them on this. First-time ownership group. You, you know that George Payton probably said, we got to have patience here to, to Greg Pinner. we got to be preaching some patience on the part of Nathaniel Hackett. Let's see. They, 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 you know, they won over yeah. London. Let's see where this goes. And and, and so I think they're, they were listening to, to George Payton, mm-hmm. who they – obviously he's a guy that's got right. clout in this league and, and respect, and they, they know that. And they wanted, and I think that respect maybe has taken a bit of a hit this this season. But also quite a, quite a hit. But I, I think that they listened to him and said, "Okay, well, we will give him more time. We will see if we that, can build off what happened in London." That is reasonable and reasonable to a fault. But I'm I'm talking the fan base as a whole. Yeah, I, that I, is not reasonable. There's no reason to be had. There's no common sense. There's no pump the brakes. Let's see how this plays out. This is. Booing the team one quarter into their home schedule. <laughs> yeah. And then Royal Rumble countdown because the head coach doesn't know when the play clock expires. Uh, it, exactly. I, I know I know what you're saying. I think that they felt like, though, and particularly with Hackett, this was Hackett's pick. I mean, this was Peyton's pick of mm-hmm. Nathaniel Hackett. You know he was in, got to be patient here. We got to give him time to get this figured out. We're giving him resources. Brian and Jerry Rossberg, and, and game I understand management. the Penners right with yeah. I, and we I can't saw, fire Hackett because it's Peyton's guy. We're going to have to fire him if we fire him this early because he brought this guy in. I I understand that the reasonable, objective point of view. I definitely get that. But you're right about the last two weeks. It was much better. It was dramatically better. And that to me. Turns maybe not all the way around, but definitely a side eye. But like, guys may have not liked wait? the one, the padded practice that, that Rossberg had. There was supposedly some rumbling about that. But well, they, damn, they played hard for him, the, though, but, didn't but they? But they sure played like they, you know, everybody talks about how they liked Hackett. Well, they sure didn't play like they liked him. Their season and they, was and they did over. for Rossberg, yeah. And they played hard in Kansas City. They played hard against the Chargers. And you can't tell me, well, it's a division game doesn't matter. You're playing the defending Super Bowl champions, even though it was in uniform only. Most of the guys that won the ring and, weren't and on you the field. Went Christmas Day. quit. I fly quit. Just you quit on Nathaniel Hackett. So you may not like the padded practice for Jerry Rossberg, but you guys sure played for him. Sure played. Played grasses off the last two weeks. Exactly. And so, I mean, there's there, there's that hindsight is twenty we We're left to wonder, what if the move would have been made to Jerry Rossberg earlier? Mm-hmm. That but I was definitely thinking that too. It's like they may not make the playoffs, but what if they did this five weeks ago? Not saying they get in, but certainly they are a much 
better football team. You're feeling much better about where you are with this team. They have more of an impact on the AFC playoff picture Absolutely. than they did at 5-12. and 12. Absolutely. All right, so uh, Central Coach John Sedanich coming up. Southwestern League play begins tonight for Central and Montrose tonight. Yeah. So we'll talk with uh, Red Hawks girls basketball coach Steve Skiff next hour. Reminder that we will have over on the Monkey, our sister station, 95.7 here in the Valley for Warrior fans, mm-hmm. 93.5 for Red Hawk fans and Montrose. We'll have both the girls and boys games tonight. Larry Newland, Pat Hooley will have it for you from Montrose High School tonight pregame right around 545. So uh, we'll talk with both uh, John Sedanich and Steve Skiff this morning. Mav Day today with Taylor Wagner and Mike DeGeorge and Blaze Street's going to join us once again. Nice. Well, shirt so, on, shirt I, off, or are we going to ask? I don't waiting? know. I, I texted Dave Yonke yesterday and last night and said, you know, maybe we should stop giving him grief. And he goes, oh, no, keep doing it because everybody – now, constantly he's giving him grief about the not wearing a shirt of practice. Thing. And he had 18 against CCU in a win. So, I mean, yeah. something's working. You know? I don't know. Maybe you need I'm to not ask saying, I'm just how, saying. how many practices is it shirt off for Blaze 3? Yeah. And maybe that's exactly. th- that's a key right now for him. Anyway, we'll, he'll be joining us coming up uh, later this morning. Also, Triple Play Record Stadium Cinema makes its return. Time right now for... What's happening? All right, the Georgia Bulldogs, the first ever back-to-back college football playoff national champions after destroying TCU 65-7 at SoFi Stadium last night in L.A. Georgia coach Kirby Smart had this message for Bulldogs fans. I hope they understand the message I'm about to say. They can't take it for granted. You know, you can't take opportunities like this for granted. And they showed up in full force, and they better never get tired of it because we need them here. We need them to back us, and you can't become complacent as a fan, and we can't become complacent as coaches. Pretty good little game for uh, Bulldogs quarterback Stinson Bennett last night. Also game back, manager. He also, was all right. Just game manager guy with four touchdown passes, two mm-hmm. touchdown runs. He had... Two of each in the first half, as this game was clearly over at halftime. Here's Bennett on when they had him do the walk when they had the they had him walk off the field to be acknowledged by the fans. And just was this the best game of his career? Here's uh, Stenson Bennett, Georgia Bulldogs quarterback. The huddle, because uh, I told all the guys they're like, "What? What are we doing? Why don't we have a play?" And I was like, "Well, they uh, they're gonna let me walk out of here." And uh, but in the huddle, you know, just. As simple as it is, just one last huddle with the guys, you know, and uh, that was special. And coming off seeing Coach Smart, um, that was that was really cool, and I appreciate that. It's the first time he's ever walked off that I was hugging him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there were a few ones, a uh, few. I mean, just what he was saying. Some that we had shots where we checked to a run uh, because the look wasn't there, um, and a few where you know. Actually, the uh, the one before the touchdown to AD before the half, I checked that out of post. I actually missed that one, but uh, you know there and there's there's some other ones in there. And as far as best game, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I, uh, I I'm gonna watch the tape. I'm gonna enjoy watching this tape, and we'll, and we'll see after that. All right, Stetson Bennett, Georgia Bulldogs quarterback, after their win last night over TCU. Jamal what Murray. What tape do you need to watch? It's not like this is gonna be helpful when you play Samford. Well, no, he's coming up in August. Just watching himself. Just oh, going through his mechanics, the look reads he made. Oh, look at that throw by this guy. That guy. <laughs> I don't think that's... Turns to the mirror, well, come you, on. buddy. If you played a game like that, you'd watch that over and over again. I wouldn't again. watch anything else. That <laughs> would be like, the only thing I watched I would the watch. rest of my life. 
Jamal Murray hit for a season high 34 points in the Nuggets, 122 to 109. Win over the LA Lakers last night in Denver. Murray has slowly returned to form after his knee injury shut him down for close to a year. Murray says he's getting more confident in driving to the hoop. Uh, give me more opportunities, I guess, when I'm down there. I wore some extra padding today just so I can be more uh, aggressive and not worry about, you know, knee to knee or falling on my knee and stuff like that. Just to see how it goes. And that went pretty well. I thought I was in the paint a lot. And yeah, I just. Played, played my game. Murray had five three-pointers, and Nikola Jokic scoring 14 points to record his 11th triple-double of the season. Lakers star LeBron James didn't play due to an injury. The 27-13 and 13 Nuggets tied uh, with Memphis atop the Western Conference standings. The list of Broncos coaching interviews keeps growing. In addition to Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh and former New Orleans coach Sean Payton, Denver's requested to interview former Atlanta head coach and current Dallas defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, San Francisco defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, and former Tampa Bay head coach and current L.A. Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Moore. Quinn was a finalist for the Broncos' job before they hired Nathaniel Hackett, 850 KOA. Broncos insider Benjamin Aubrey Bright says he thinks Quinn is the right man for the job. He says he feels there are concerns about Harbaugh and Peyton. I've had people coming out of the woodwork to tell me that, that Sean Payton will throw anyone under the bus. It's never his fault. I've had people coming out of the woodwork to tell me that Jim Harbaugh is a jerk and very tough to work for. You won't find a person who worked for, with, or played for, or with Dan Quinn that has a bad word to say about him. He has had a track record of success. He's been to a Super Bowl. Albright joined us yesterday on the Jim Davis Show. You can hear that interview at our Twitter feed, our Facebook page, and our website, theteam1340.com. Southwesterly basketball play begins tonight for the Central Warriors and Montrose Redhawks. For the girls' team, the Warriors enter 6-5 and five after nearly upsetting Centaurus, while the Redhawks are 8-1 and one after winning at Kent Denver on Saturday. Central A coach Mary Doan says as league play begins, the winner of the SWL will have to be the best of the best. I feel like our league is much like college football in that you have to be undefeated. There's not enough teams, and when you only play eight games in league, you don't have a chance to stumble and then recover every single game. There is no game to take off in our league. The Red Hawk boys begin defense of their Southwestern League title tonight when they take on Central. The Red Hawks win 25-1 last season and ran the table in the league at 8-0. Montrose coach Ryan Voringer says they have a target on them this season. It's going to be a dogfight. You can throw records out the door when you, when you play these league games. You hope to win at home, maybe split on the road. We're looking forward to it, but yeah, we know there's a target on our back, and sometimes that's a good thing. Expectations are good, and we're going to have to show and play 32 minutes every night with you know with our with our A game to, to beat these teams. Seven to two, Montrose led by sophomore Caleb Ferguson at 17 points and six rebounds per game. The Monkey will have tonight's games with girls pregame at 5:45, with the boys tipping off at 7:30. Catch it here in the Valley, 95.7 FM. Montrose 93.5 FM and that's what's happening and speaking of that Southwestern League opener tonight Central Boys coach John Sedanich will join us next on the Jim Davis show craptastic that's just crap the team presents the Jim Davis show on Colorado's sports leader the team talking Central Boys basketball with coach John Sedanich on the team and John Sedanich and our conversation with him brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance for a free comparison. Call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. John, good morning. Happy New Year to you, sir. Yeah, Happy New Year to you guys. You hear me all right, Jim? Yes, I think we got you okay, John. We appreciate the time this morning. 
And uh, it opens tonight, uh, as far as league play goes, against Montrose. We'll get into the, the Red Hawks, the defending league champions, in just a moment. But your team, uh, I thought, a really good stretch before the holiday break. Uh, and then, of course, the, the win against Basalt. Uh, after that, 7-3 and three record right now. Kind of take us through, though, what you saw from your team, from the, the Warrior Challenge to playing out the Palisade Tournament, because, like I said, it was a, it's a really good start to your season. Yeah, it's been, um, yeah, I think since uh, Ryan Hayden's last year that we've uh, gone into league play with a winning record, and um, the boys have really bought into their roles and um, just a lot of good things. You know, really, I uh, feel like we're really balanced and uh, uh, just enjoying watching them play. Well, as I mentioned, you got the win last Friday against Basalt uh, in a close one, 46-45. Santana Martinez with a good game. He had 11 points, but uh, Cam Redding, a couple of those football guys getting it done for you, Cam, with 13 points uh, to lead your team to that uh, first victory of 2023. Yeah, it was a kind of a, um interesting game. It, uh, we uh, pretty even first quarter and then um, jumped up by nine at halftime and then uh, we managed in about 45 seconds for a nine-point lead to turn into a two-point lead. Uh, and then we took it back to 14 in the third quarter. And um, credit to Basalt, they just, um, they've got some very good young players. Uh, and they just kept, uh, you know, you go on the road, you never know what's going to happen. So we were just happy to uh, get out of there with a the win mentioned Cam Redding with uh, the game I-13 points. He's your leading scorer right now. What improvement are you seeing in Cam's game right now? Yeah, I think you know, we've really been working with Cam to, you know, he does such a good job of, he's you know, he's balanced. He can get in the lane whenever he wants. He uh, When he's shooting the ball well, he's uh, really makes him tough to guard and you know, just really been trying to get him to learn to play off two feet around the basket a little bit more and and uh yeah he and he loves the pressure he's he hit a uh we were it was a one point game in the fourth quarter in basalt and um there was about a minute left and it was one of those he took a three and it was one of those you know you hold your breath and uh went in and kind of um you know put us up by four and basalt hit a late shot to make it a two-point game but or make it a one-point game but uh, yeah, so just really happy with Cam, and you know he's just just a little bit more mature and is enjoying being coached this year. John said, "Anish Central Warriors basketball coach with us, and uh, Santana Martinez. I referenced the game he had against Basalt, the eleven points, but uh, his strength this season for you has been the job he's done. The glass, he's your leading rebounder right now. John uh, seven boards per contest, so uh, he's been really, really good uh, on both ends of the floor in that category." Yeah, I know uh, Braylon gets mad at him a little bit because um, Braylon will think he has a rebound, and then here comes Santana out of nowhere to uh, grab it. So, yeah, he's he's really uh, – uh, he takes a lot of pride in that. In fact, that's usually the first thing he asks after the game was uh, how many rebounds I thought he had. And so, uh, yeah, you know, it's – like I said, just being so balanced, it's great to have those football guys with to have that strength and um, – you know, we, we're not very big, so we need that from guys to get in there and, and bang around and, and be willing to get on the boards like that. Well, tonight you face the defending Southwestern League champions. Uh, they went 25-1 and last year. Uh, 
Ryan Vollringer and the Montrose Redhawks. They're off to a 7-2 and two start. I know he was uh, not thrilled with how they played defensively against Ken Denver. He's never had a team give up 92 points. But then again, they scored 87, so, so Montrose certainly was uh, offensively uh, right there with Ken Denver this last weekend. But Caleb Ferguson for them, uh, leading score, 17 points per game. He's a leading rebounder, really good young player that Ryan Voringer has. They lost some talent last year, no doubt about it, with guys like Luke Hutto and Ashton Oberg. But uh, they have a lot of talent this year with a guy like Ferguson. Yeah, I, you know, Coach Vo does an incredible job with those kids. And uh, we, we saw him play this summer, and, you know, and they're just as competitive and, um, you know, they, it's not going to be easy, especially when you go up there. And uh, I, I think I watched, I watched a little bit. I watched the first half of that Kent Denver game on film, and because um, I saw that score, and I was like, "What in the world?" Because you know, I think that's one thing about Montrose is they just over the years they can kind of play however you want to play. So if you want to get up down the floor, um, they're willing to do it, and if you want to you know, play in the 40s, they're willing to do that too. So I, I think that's one of the things that's always made them so hard to play against. So I know that uh, in, in talking with uh, Mary Doan, your, your female counterpart out at Central, Mary talking about the league, and at least from the girls' perspective, that you really can't afford to lose a game uh, in league play if you're playing away in the Southwestern League. It's that close, it's that tight, it's that competitive. She kind of compared it to, to playing college football and so like the SEC where you don't, there's the margin of error is, is pretty slim. And I would think, John, that probably the same can be said about the boys' side of it. Montrose defending league champions, they ran the table last year at 8-0 in league play. And if you if aspirations are to win a league title, the, the you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room, and it starts tonight with this game against the, the Red Hawks. Yeah, I you know, I'd have to go back and kind of look at the history, but I don't you know, it's very rare that a team wins the Southwestern League with more than one loss. I, I can't remember the last time that probably happened. But, um, yeah, I, you know, it is always tough. And uh, and it's kind of a weird league schedule this year also because, you know, I know Montrose hasn't played since before break. And um, so we, we play that game tonight, and then we don't play another league game till you know, for like, Two or two and a half, three weeks till we play Junction. So, um, and then most of it finishes in February. So it's yeah, it's a it's an interesting start to the season, and it's it's early, and uh, you know both teams are still going to get better as the year goes on. Hey John, I appreciate it. We'll have uh, both the boys and girls games tonight on our sister station, the Monkey, which is ninety five point seven here in the Valley uh, in Montrose, ninety three point five FM. Girls pregame right around 545. Boys will tip it right around 730 tonight as Montrose takes on Central. John, I appreciate the time as always. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, no problem. Good to talk to you, Jim. Likewise, take care. John Sedanich, the coach of the Central Boys basketball team. Red Hawk Boys 7-2. and two. Montrose, or excuse me, Central 7-3. and three. So a couple of teams that had, have had strong starts to their season here in 2022-2023. All right, 734. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy today. So... For pole dancing, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to uh, rank the candidates. So if you want to do that today, the, the Broncos coaching candidates and also your top five teams heading into the Super Wildcard weekend and the playoffs, even those that, that are getting buys this weekend. Even including those? Yeah. Oh, okay. Perfect. We'll rank everybody. Let's go All ahead right. and do it. God, I have to redo it. 
<laughs> no, we're just raking everybody. No. Okay. I don't want to blow, and we'll rank our Broncos coaching candidates as well. Of, of the guys that the Broncos have requested an interview from. Okay, so it's not okay. just random, you know, hey, they should talk to Frank Reich or they yeah. whoever. It's the guys that they've requested interviews with. And so we'll, we'll, we'll keep it right there. Greg Marmalard, favorite college student body president, texting today, Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970-242-1340. See, you grab some Chick-fil-A this morning. I did, and it was a good decision. Always a great decision. I tried renaming Rio as the Buckeye Man a few years ago and got shot down. I have come around to Jim's thinking. Buckeye Man just doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, we, the alliteration isn't there. We talked about it yesterday. And, and and Tyler said it makes you sound like you're kind of like a B or C level superhero. Yeah. I don't want that kind of responsibility. No. Buckeye Boy. It's, fits. It just fits. It's like cake. Just fits him. Very childish. Right. You know, very immature. So, yeah, you you will forever be the Buckeye boy. Yep. You'll, you'll be, you might be 80 here doing this, mm-hmm. and I'll be, obviously, probably someplace else. <laughs> be, be shocked if <laughs> nearly 100-year-old Jim Davis is here, <laughs> but also be shocked if 80-year-old Buckeye boy is here either. If I'm well. 80, I'll be shocked as well. <laughs> so, well, it's it just... Every birthday, we, we kind of have this debate about you. Should we call you something you know different? No. Buck, no, it's Buckeye Boy. Just you're 40 now. I'm not going to answer you're a man, to you're anything 40. new. You know, you're Mike Gundy. Yeah, I'm not going to answer to anything new. I barely answer to my given name. Yeah. All right. 7:36. We're going to uh, look back at last night's college football national championship game with uh, our college football insider Wyatt Thompson. But first, it's time for sound check. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Oh, yesterday's Dan Patrick show right here on the Team Sports Network featured former Seahawks quarterback Matt Hasselbeck talking about uh, former Seahawks quarterback and Russell Wilson and whether being Wilson's head coach is a good job or not. Is that job enticing? So like Sean Payton, Denver? If you want to be married to Russell Wilson, it's enticing. You know, and so there are some coaches that have a vision for how to get him back to be a player that is one of the better quarterbacks in the league, not one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And so if you have that vision, then, yeah, it's a great job. But if you're a guy like Pete Carroll, maybe be an example of, hey, that I don't want that. That's not what I want. What I want is just a legion of boom type defense, great special teams and a running game that can travel. And then every once in a while, we'll we'll take our shots. Our quarterback will use his legs every once in a while, not playground ball, but like, you know, honestly, the way Geno Smith played this year. <laughs> I'm sure that makes Russ feel great. <laughs> well, that would cheap. Thanks. The best way the Broncos are successful is if they play the way that I wanted out of Seattle to not play that way. That's the best. How they've utilized him the last two games. That's how you you use him. Right. You play action. He makes the deep throws, the vertical, the vertical throws, which he's one of the best in the league. You're de- you have a really good defense. Mm-hmm. That's how you win with him. You let him use his legs once in a while, like in the Kansas City game. May not be what Russ exactly once, mm-hmm. but I think Russ is now 
he, beggars can't be choosers. This, Russ this is, is a, who he is. This is a career worst season for him. And if and if it's if, if he wants to get back to being successful, those are the things that'll be required of him. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Wyatt Thompson will join us next. Our uh, college football insider. Text or call us today. We'd love to hear from you. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking college football with the team's insider, Wyatt Thompson, on the Jim Davis Show. With us on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, our college football insider, Wyatt Thompson. Wyatt, happy new year, my friend. Well, same to you, buddy. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Doing quite well. So, um, okay, didn't go the way we thought it might last night. We're hoping it would go last night, particularly if you're a, a fan of the Big 12. Uh, I, I thought Max Duggan would be maybe the, the best dual threat guy that Georgia's defense has faced this season. I thought their speed, their physicality would give them a chance. I didn't I didn't necessarily think they were going to win last night, but I thought they would would keep it close with Georgia. Boy, I was wrong, and so were a lot of other people. Uh, Georgia was just fantastic on both sides of the football last night. Oh, absolutely. I don't know how you could watch that and not be impressed. I I think most people that are talking about the game this morning are talking about how in the world did TCU get there. And I think that's the wrong subject. I think we need to be talking about how good is Georgia. Um yeah, did TCU play the last couple of games like they did most of the, the season? Maybe not necessarily, especially on the defensive side. But let's let's just cut to the chase and say this. Georgia stonewalled TCU's offense last night. You can say what you want about the Frogs' defense, but their offense was stymied. I mean, I haven't seen anybody do that to them in a while. I mean, anybody. Yeah, they shut down the run game. Max Duggan looked looked uncomfortable. I mean, throughout the game. I mean, they, they got him off his spot constantly. He had happy feet. They, he wasn't really able to to throw from the pocket effectively last night. They neutralized his ability to run the football where Stenson Bennett looked like the dual threat guy that Max Duggan is. I mean, with a couple of touchdown runs, uh, I, I thought that, that Bennett played a sensational game last night for Georgia, but they, they really did a nice job of making things uncomfortable for Max Duggan last night. Yeah, you said that perfectly. And if you go back and watch, just watch the first couple of series for both teams. And I, I know at one point it was 10-7 to 7 or whatever you want to say, but you talked about being comfortable or being uncomfortable. Uh, again, Duggan really had very little time to do anything. And Stetson Bennett had the whole night to sit back there and get what he wanted and look totally he looked like he was doing the game from a rocking chair. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 he just I, did. I mean, there are times, there are a couple times he had a, he had a run or a throw, and he had sure. a big and Ben had a big smile on his face. It's like <laughs> he knew. He's like this this game's ours. I mean, you just yeah. got that sense watching him that he knew that the TCU there was no way the Horn Frogs were going to yeah. stick with him in that game. Yeah, and, and and let me just say this: maybe this is the wrong time to say this, but I'm not going to apologize for it for those that were so unhappy that you saw a national championship game that was, what, 65-7, to seven, uh, I think, this is just my personal opinion, I think a 12-team playoff will help this and, and keep it from happening as often as it does now. 
I, I saw something earlier. It wasn't that long ago that, you know, you had a 44 to 19 blowout too. That's not 65 to seven. And I get it. But, but if, if you do a 12 team playoff and bracket it the right way, um, who do you think was the second best team in the country? Ohio state? Maybe. Wouldn't you like, wouldn't Probably, you like to have seen that as a championship game? Yeah. Remember I mean, how close that was two weeks ago? Exactly. I mean, if you, if you go back and, yeah. you know, recent history, then you'd say, yeah, Ohio State, they, they lost by a point. They missed a field goal later. That would have been yep. them playing last night. And yeah, I, I, I agree that I, I don't, I don't feel like the TCU, it wasn't that they weren't deserving. And the playoffs, I think I agree with you, I think will be a great way to, to, to filter things, right? There's me opportunities. Yeah. You bracket it the right way. But Georgia's just that darn good. I, I, I just, you know, it's not that TCU's a bad team. They're not. They're a really good football team. Right. But Georgia's just that dynamic on both sides of the ball. And, well, that's it. and keep in mind now, this is a team that had, what, nine players drafted last yes. year off their defense? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? You, 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 they had a couple of guys last night. Uh, that that they identify, and I I don't know their roster like I know TCU, and I'll admit that straight up. But they had a couple of guys that they identified as freshmen last night on that defense that could play anywhere, anywhere, and start, not be a second or third guy. Well, and, and the Brock Bowers kid, the tight end, yeah. he, he was a running back in high school. I mean, yeah. he was a huge weapon last night. You know, uh-huh. seven catches, hundred fifty-two yards. Lad McConkey had a couple touchdown catches last night. I mean, they, the the, the Bowers the kid, the Bowers kid to me is really impressive. He's a really good player. I, yeah, absolutely. And I have, I have to throw this out too. The, do you remember the play where they bring the winners on on the blitz and yeah. Bennett kind of fakes to the right, curls back to the left, and runs about fifteen yards for a first down. And it's like a race to the to the first down marker. I'm just telling you, dude. D winners can really play. My point is that Stetson Bennett is a lot better athlete than anybody wants to give him credit for. And the guy's 25 years old. He's played a lot of football. Um, and not that Max Duggan hasn't. I don't mean that. I'm just trying to, to, to augment the point that this is an elite team. Elite. Well, and Todd Monken, the, the OC for <laughs> Georgia, just oh, it was yeah. a masterful job last night. It was a master class in dialing up plays last night. Yeah. Well, and it's easy to, to look great when you're playing great. I understand that. But part of that is the play calling, right? I mean, they, they had TCU on their heels from the get-go. And you could tell from the very first snap that Duggan wasn't – I mean, he just even didn't even look like the guy that he looked like in the Big 12 championship game or in the semis. It, 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 he just didn't. Yeah, he, he, you're right. He looked like a t- totally different player. Did not look like the guy that was the runner-up for the Heisman Trophy last night. And, exactly. And, George, and George's defense, that was the reason why. So, yeah, but but for people to say that TCU didn't belong there, they won their way there. They they picked yeah. up the win against Michigan. That's how it was seeded. They get there and obviously did not play well at all. And you, you look at you know going back to even the BCS era, I mean, last night was clearly the worst loss for anybody in a college football national championship game. I mean, they, they have them ranked on the athletic. 2004, USC, Oklahoma's 55-19. It's not good that it's another Big 12 team on the, on the wrong side of that score, but that was Pete Carroll's right. lone undefeated season at USC. And, and so 2012, Alabama beating Notre Dame 42-14. 
Miami over Nebraska, 37-14 back in 01. It's it's unfortunate that it has to be a team out of the Big 12. It's unfortunate because TCU's been such a great story, Wyatt, that it played out the way it did last night. Yeah, and, and I think um, I'm more than prepared to hear that for a while, that the Big 12 was overrated and what have you. And the, and the reality of it is, and, and this is true, it hurts to say it, but it's true, the Big 12, other than TCU's win um, in the semis and Texas Tech winning their bowl game, the Big 12 wasn't very good in the postseason. And yeah. they've got to live with that. They've got to be better. And unfortunately, and, and uh, your, your Wildcats were in that group. Uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, that absolutely. lost to Alabama looked good early on and then got sideways pretty quick in the Sugar Bowl. Kind of like baseball, bud. Everybody is judged by how they do in the what? Postseason. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I, I was looking at this uh, that the Athletics put out. They're already ranking teams for next year. Uh-huh. Does Georgia three-peat? Oh, I think it's possible. It, it, it might be a little more difficult because I don't necessarily know their quarterback situation. But everything else, they just look stacked um, at least a couple of players deep everywhere to me. Um, <clears throat> they, uh, you know, looking back on this season and thinking about it, knowing that we were going to talk this morning, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, of, okay, so if I really had to give you who I thought was the four or five best teams in the country, would TCU be in the top five? I think they would, but I think they'd be fifth. Yeah, they uh, have. Would Georgia be number one under any and all circumstances? No question. So, yeah. who are the other three? Yeah, right. they've they've got they've got Georgia number one with Carson Beck, yeah, as the replacement. Uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end that I was raving about, he's he's back. I mean, they're uh, you know Ringo's back for them. You know, and that secondary McIntosh at the running back spot. They got Michigan second. Now, who's going to be coaching Michigan remains to be seen. Uh, Ohio State, LSU, Alabama is your top five, according to The Athletic and uh, Stuart Mandel. Yeah, and that's not a lot different than what we were just saying about how would this season end. That Those teams are what they are. Uh, and I think it's, <laughs> you know, they, they do have some recruiting advantages being in, in areas where there are a lot more uh, talented players. Um, and, and I I'm just being blunt about that. I think the, the the Big 12 struggles with that because we don't have the same population base as the East or the West, and it's it's just it's just kind of what it is. You got to somehow overcome it, and a lot of times they do, but a lot of times you know it, it happens like that, and it you know it's a kick to the head, honestly, because I think the league is good, but it's hard winning national titles especially if you're going up against somebody like that. Absolutely. Uh, in their preseason rankings, TCU's number 10, and yeah. uh, your Wildcats are number 17. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. I hadn't seen that yet, and that, it doesn't surprise me because uh, you wouldn't know this, but we've had a few guys that would be six-year guys that have, have said they're going to come back, and people are dancing in the streets here, sort of. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you lose Deuce Vaughn, but I mean, Will Howard comes back. What, I think your entire yeah. offensive line is, is going to be back right. as well, from what I'm reading. Yeah, and I think Philip Brooks, one of our receivers, has decided to come back, and he's one of the best punt return guys in the country. So, yeah, it's all good that way. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's a unique thing, but I, I guess I'll go back to what I said a moment ago. 
I love college football. I think it's a great sport. I think people were frustrated by last night, but there are, there are ways to fix that. And I, I think we're headed into trying to do that um, with, with an expanded playoff. I think you will get, if you do the expanded playoff, if you do it right, you're going to get the absolute top teams more times than not all the way out, don't you think? I would think so, and I think you know, will there be some upsets? Yeah, probably. Sure. I yeah. you would you would like to hope so because you don't you don't want it to to go you know go chalk necessarily. You want you want some upsets. You want some you know some surprise. And that's what makes the NCAA basketball sure. tournament so great is the the Cinderellas and the upsets. You're hoping yeah. that is the case. But I, I think but you, once, get a, you get an occasional stinker, and, and another example would be where there is a, a a larger playoff in the FCS. Who would have thought South Dakota State was going to beat North Dakota State like that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, to, to get there, sure, but not yeah, not the way they wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just uh, I, I think the expanded playoff will will help in some of these matters. But I, I come on, if, for the people, it's like oh, TCU had no business being there. Well, they they played their way into it, okay, yeah. and they they, so they are you, is that is the is the person that makes that argument, Jim, the same that says that Alabama should be there, probably or Michigan or Ohio State. I mean, they had their chances at least. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I mean, with with yeah. Alabama, okay, I understand a little bit of their griping, but to me, the, the four teams that were there were the ones that should have been there, and yeah, it's unfortunate that for Sonny Dykes and TCU, they didn't play better. You know, in, in last night's game, that's that that's disappointing for them. It's disappointing for yeah. the Big Twelve because yeah. you you wanted a good showing, you know, to to show that this conference can compete. But let's <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, the SEC is still they're still the big dogs. Oh, for sure. I mean, literally, I think with what we're describing with, is with with the Bulldogs, oh, of course. Well, what what we're trying to to make the point is, I think everybody gets it, but I'll I'll say this: you're talking about an an exceptionally gifted deep well-coached team with Georgia, okay? That's the obvious factor. <clears throat> and you're talking about a pretty good TCU team that on a night where they're off and Georgia was elite, you saw you saw the difference. Yeah. It's, it's... If TCU would have played like they did in the, in the other games, maybe it would have been 45 to 14. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> Probably sure. not much. No. But yeah. you get the point. They, Georgia's better than TCU. And they were, they were clearly better than them last night, but it doesn't mean that the TCU yeah. didn't deserve to be there. Hey, Wyatt, we got to run. I always appreciate it. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll start diving into college basketball next week. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. All right, very good. I always appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. Yes, sir, buddy. All right, Wyatt Thompson, voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, our college football insider, joins us every Tuesday on the program. All right, we will take a break. We'll come back with Hour 2. Text or call us today, 970-242-1340. The Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com.